This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday, the 2nd of August, 2021. And we're coming to you from two different cities living under lockdown restrictions at the moment. Of course, Norman, you're in Sydney where you've been in lockdown for some weeks now. And I'm in Brisbane where we were plunged into lockdown over the weekend. We're still living with this virus. We are, we are. And on Friday, the National Cabinet via the Prime Minister came out with the next version of the four-stage plan. Yeah, so it's an interesting one because there were no timeframes around it, but it had these sort of these thresholds of vaccination that we needed to reach to to start changing the levels of restrictions or the levels of freedoms that we have. And there's some numbers that get that get bandied around in there, Norman. We were hearing about seventy percent targets and eighty percent targets of vaccination, but that's not seventy percent or eighty percent of the whole Australian population. No, so. This, is, this comes from the Doherty modelling, and that hasn't been made publicly available yet to see what the detail is. And it's a very conservative opening up. So they've been very, very careful about how they open up, which is absolutely right. Because let's be clear what we're talking about here. So when the Prime Minister talked about 70% vaccination, you heard, the, you heard 70%, 80% being banded around of the eligible population. But in fact, of the total population... It's not actually 70%. It's actually 56% of the total population because the 70%... Because we're not counting people under 16. Which is a little bit over 20% of the population. So it's about 56% coverage. Now, 56% coverage is pretty much exactly, in full coverage, is pretty much exactly what you've got in Britain and America at the moment. A little bit more, a bit more in, in Israel. And what you've got are major outbreaks of the Delta variant in both countries. So 56% is not enough to control it. So at that point, you've got a bit of control. You've got maybe half the population who are able to resist the infection a little bit. Maybe half of them will resist infection altogether and they'll get mild illness. May or may not be less likely to pass it on. We don't know that for sure yet. So it's not enough to control it. So you're getting to a point where you can start the process of opening up, but very, very slowly. You can't do what Britain did, which is have a freedom day. You've really got to have masking, social distancing, be prepared to go to lockdowns because you've got the possibility of it taking off. And 80% vaccination still doesn't allow you full opening. Because again, that's not 80% of the whole population. So the international modelling and local modelling outside the Doherty would say that 80 to 90% of the whole population needs to be immunised for you to really be able to open up. And to be fair to the Prime Minister, he was indicating that as he moved forward. Are you saying that the Doherty Institute modelling is flawed then? Like this is what all the states and territory leaders have signed on for. No, it's not flawed at all because they're, they're not suggesting a Freedom Day. They're actually suggesting a very careful opening up, realising that a 70% vaccination of the eligible population is not enough to allow a Freedom Day. Right. So we're just managing expectations now. That's right. So in other words, we don't fully open up at 70% vaccination, which is absolutely right. And we don't fully open up at 80% either. We do open more so than we've done. But 80% of the eligible population is still much, much lower than what you need for herd immunity because you are going to have to get 80 to 85% of the whole population. Right. So we're talking about vaccination, but we're still talking about these non-pharmaceutical interventions. So things like masks and to an extent, social distancing, perhaps um, the lockdown here and there, but maybe less likely as we go forward. Yes. So what does this mean for places like 
Greater Sydney or Brisbane, places that are currently living under lockdown restrictions because of outbreaks. What you've got to do in New South Wales is differentiate this from Victoria last year because it's not Victoria last year and it's not for a variety of reasons. Obviously, Delta is one, so you're dealing with a much more infectious virus. But Victoria, in the second wave, did not have an effective contact tracing system. They had thousands and thousands of mystery cases, and you had very rapid rise rises. So the first thing that's different is that New South Wales has a very effective contact tracing system, as indeed do all states now, including Victoria. So they are keeping, to use the Holland and the Dykes analogy, keeping the finger in the, di- <laughs> finger in the dike to stop the flood coming in from the rising waters. So that's why you're just seeing a slow exponential growth in New South Wales, because they are really keeping that slow down, as is lockdown. And the added variable which has yet to be shown to see what it does, is vaccination. So what you've got in New South Wales now, particularly in the areas of high transmission, is intense immunisation. So I think the Premier said 80,000 the other day in a single day. Now that's amazing. If you can actually maintain that, you could get to very high levels of vaccination in New South Wales within a matter of weeks. So in other words, you could get to the 70%, of the eligible population that the Prime Minister talked about. And you could be there by the end of August. The point then is, have you bent the curve? So last year we bent the curve by extreme lockdown and a bit of contact tracing, but basically it was extreme lockdown. This year, can we bend the curve with a combination of lockdown and immunisation? And that's what they're throwing the dice on in New South Wales. And it may be what they have to throw the dice on in Queensland as well, or wherever else you get new outbreaks. So it's a very different situation, and we are in unknown territory in many ways. Right. So as you say, in New South Wales, they're keeping it at bay, but barely. Well, they're not really. It's growing, but it's slow. So, so what, what is going to cause a turnaround there? When would we know if vaccinations are making a difference there? Well, The problem with modelling that, and I haven't seen any modelling on that, the problem with modelling that is we're not absolutely certain the extent to which the Astra and Pfizer vaccines prevent infection. We know the extent to which they prevent symptomatic infection and the extent to which, and we're pretty sure we know the extent to which they prevent severe infections. That's north of 90%. All infection, we don't know, but it could be anywhere between 35 and maybe 50-60% prevention of all infection. So it's not 100%. So it means for each individual, you could still get infected. But when you look at tens of thousands of people immunised, that actually gives you quite a lot of people in the community who have a very low chance of being infected. And if you add masks to that and social distancing, you're actually adding a lot of power to the control of the pandemic, potentially. Does it matter who's the people who are getting uh, vaccinated in these areas? Because Cindy's written in saying, what's the reasoning behind New South Wales government's decision to prioritise vaccinating Year 12 students in the eight hotspot LGAs over administering to authorised workers in those same eight LGAs? Well, just look internationally. It's young people who spread this and you're getting spread in schools. This is a much more prominent part of the pandemic. And you're also exposing young people to, you know, you're wanting them to get their education and you're exposing them potentially to infection. So with rapid antigen testing plus immunisation plus masks indoors um, inside the schools, if they're going to do that, that will reduce the risk to year 12 students being very, very low and the risk of them bringing the infection home 
if they were to catch it at school. So it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to do. And in the end, we've got to be immunising down to the age of 16 because that gets us to that 70% that the Prime Minister is talking about. So one of the big things that was missing for me when I was listening to the Prime Minister on Friday night was timeframes. Do we have any sense of how long it's going to take for us to move, move through these next couple of phases? My understanding is that the modelling about the vaccination rates would have us at 50 or 60% of the eligible population with two doses by Christmas, uh, certainly early December. So we're not at 70% of the eligible population this year unless you get a rapid escalation of immunisation, which we could do. They're managing to do it in New South Wales, and we could do it um, nationally as well. But you've got a problem. Western Australia has very low immunisation rates compared to the rest of the country, for example. What needs to change? Are people not turning up or are there, is there not the supply? There's not the supply and there's not the drive. If you're living in Western Australia, you haven't seen the virus around you, you're thinking, well, I'll hang in there. I don't really need to do it now. You might need incentives in states like WA to actually get up to those levels. Otherwise, WA was going to be very vulnerable for a long time to come. But it's a one-in-all-in thing with this, with these phases. The whole national average has to be at, say, 70% of the eligible population, but so do each of the jurisdictions before they're allowed to move to that next phase. Yeah. We need that lottery that our guest on Friday was talking about. Million dollars a week. So, Norman, can you please – we've talked about a lot of different things today. Can we pull this all together in a way that's going to give people a take-home message? you just got to draw together everything that we're doing. Vaccination – human behaviour, how much we're out there, how much mask wearing we've got. And if you add all those things together, we've got to get to a point where if the virus was to land in your community, what's the chances it would take off? And the modelling would just want us to get to a point where the effective reproduction number, in other words, the chances of spreading it on to another person is less than one, is one or less. And if you can do that through a mixture of vaccination and social distancing, including masks, then that's the ideal place to be. Well, that's all we've got time for on today's CoronaCast. If you've got a question or a comment, send us a message at abc.net.au slash CoronaCast. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. 